It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day during the weekday. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify and all of the favorite places you like to go to. Listen to this show and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow me, Julian Council. On Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So either at me, at Julian Council, or DM me at Julian Council. But again, make sure to first follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, every single Friday for the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. On today's show, I'm going to talk to my buddy Matthew Collar, who covers the Vikings for Purple Insider. He also hosts a podcast for the Blue Wire Podcast Network called Purple Insider. So he does a fantastic job in talking to him a couple years since he's been up there in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities covering the Minnesota Vikings. He has a lot of perspective on Clint Kubiak and his offense that he had there this past year as the OC for the Minnesota Vikings, who was one of the folks who was applied. I guess not really applied, but interviewed for the job here as the OC in Carolina for next season. He also has thoughts on Kirk Cousins, who could potentially be a quarterback to Carolina Panthers want to bring in here this offseason to save Matt Rule's bacon in 2022. So he'll let us know whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. I also have a few thoughts before we get to him here on today's show. But before I get to those thoughts, before we get to Matthew Collar, a quick update on the ongoing offensive coordinator search here in Carolina as of January 19th. According to Joe Person of The Athletic, the Carolina Panthers so far have interviewed former Washington football team head coach and recently Jacksonville Jaguars OC last season, Jay Gruden, to potentially be the OC here in Carolina. They've also talked to Ben McAdoo, the former head coach of the New York Giants. Now, Ben McAdoo is one that a lot of fans, when they hear that name and when they've heard that name, aren't going to be excited about. And neither am I. 
Ben McAdoo's leadership skills there with the Giants was atrocious. Yes, he might have taken them to the playoffs, which is also only thought about because of the boat picture of OBJ and all those receivers and players from the Giants leading up to that game down in Miami. And then they no-showed on the road, I believe, against the Green Bay Packers. And that was basically the end of McAdoo as they were terrible the next season. And the Giants have been in this endless pit of suck ever since. And really, before that, they also weren't very good, which is why Ben McAdoo even found himself in a position to be the head coach of the New York Giants. I do like the fact, though, that Matt Rule has talked to two former NFL head coaches, and Bill O'Brien is someone who also would make a lot of sense, even though Bill O'Brien seems to be into the second round of the interviews down there in Jacksonville with the Jaguars. And when Bill O'Brien is just a head coach, he's very good. But when he takes over the roster management of a team, he's not very good, which is the problem here in Carolina and maybe became a problem in Seattle over the last couple years as the Seahawks have transitioned to having general manager John Snyder take over the organization in terms of personnel and allowed Pete Carroll to take a step back and just focus on coaching the football team, which is how I think organizations in the NFL should work out. The GM brings in the players, the coach coaches the players, and the owner sits back and pays the money, cuts the checks, and shuts the hell up. Especially the owner here in Carolina, who's yet to say why Matt Rule is coming back for a third year. But Jay Gruden, I'd be fine with that. Was really good in Cincinnati. Thought with the circumstances that they've had in Washington back when they were formerly the Redskins. He did a decent job there. And in Jacksonville, well, it's Jacksonville. And, you know, what are you going to work with? He had Gardner Minshew as a starting quarterback for the majority of that season. So I'm not really looking at it as a bad situation for Jay Gruden. And Ben McAdoo, no thanks. Clint Kubiak, we'll get into him here in just a moment. Mike Rowe already talked about him. Basically tore apart the Philadelphia Eagles offense, and he's just not the answer. Then Scotty Montgomery, another name, formerly the OC at Duke under David Cutcliffe, who spent some time in the NFL, is also known for his work with the Manning brothers, both Peyton and Eli and Daniel Jones, who is fighting for his life there as the New York Giants starting quarterback. And boy, these going to be the franchise. They're looking for a new head coach and general manager, as both Joe Judge was fired and Dave Gettleman, the former Carolina Panthers general manager, retired. So there's two vacancies there in New York with the Giants as the Mara family just continues to destroy their family legacy and heritage with that New York football Giants team there in New York City. But Scotty Montgomery, failed ECU coach. I think it was 3-9 and nine all three seasons there. So what, 9-27 and 27 as a head coach? at East Carolina as the curse of Jeff Confer, who fired Ruffin McNeil when he should have never done that, has spilt over. Now they finally find a head coach in Mike Houston who's turned that program around. But Scotty Montgomery wasn't a great coach as far as a head coach in college, and I don't really know if Scotty Montgomery, Montgomery's done enough to earn his keep here in the NFL. I will also point out, of the candidates that have been mentioned, the only black candidate is Scotty Montgomery. So it looks like Matt Rule's going out and checking that Rooney Rule box, which is kind of BS. But moving forward, and I, I don't know, if, I guess maybe Rooney Rule's not for the OC position, but still, I think they might have changed things up. I can't keep up with the NFL trying to pretend like they care about diversity and having more coaches of color. Either way, other reporting out there is also from Jeremy Fowler. The Panthers have spoken to Packers quarterback coach Luke Getze and former Texans OC Kim Kelly for their offensive coordinator jobs per sources. They've cast a wide net, which Matt Rule said that it would do. They did that last year when searching for a general manager and eventually landed on Scott Fitterer. And then eventually then on Scott Fitter, as my Apple Watch is trying to talk to me for whatever reason. 
but also that's what they're doing with the OC job. Luke Getze would make a lot of sense just working with Aaron Rodgers, but then again, it's Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of questions of how great of an OC is Nathaniel Hackett really? How great of a coach is Matt LaFleur really, even though Matt LaFleur's won more games in his first three years than anybody in the history of the Green Bay Packers? So maybe he's not a complete doofus. I think he knows what he's doing. Although I like Getze, yes, if he can get an OC job, because of the situation Aaron Rodgers, that makes sense. But also, if I'm Luke Getzey, I'm probably going to wait to become an OC of the Packers, even though I think the situation in Green Bay is that Matt LaFleur calls the plays in a similar situation as you've seen with other Sean McVay former guys, like over in L.A. where McVay calls the plays, and in San Francisco, same thing, Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. Tim Kelly had one of the worst offenses in the NFL this past year. Most of the credit for that offense has been given, at least the production that you got out of Davis Mills has been attributed to Pep Hamilton and the work that he did this past season with Davis Mills and then last year with uh, Justin Herbert. So maybe he's not the guy. And also, uh, David Kelly, Kelly, apparently, a lot of the reporting coming out of Houston last week, who was he was always a dead man walking the day he walked into that building. But David Kelly might have been able to retain his job had he just been willing to make offensive staff changes as they had the worst offense in the National Football League. He decided not to fire Tim Kelly. I don't really think Tim Kelly is the answer here in Carolina. One other coaching candidate, which was funny to me because I don't see how Matt Rule ever thought this was going to be a possibility. But apparently Matt Rule reached out to Chip Kelly, the head coach of the UCLA Bruins, who just received a four-year contract extension on Monday, he asked if Chip Kelly might be interested in being his OC. Chip Kelly, who has taken the Philadelphia Eagles to the playoffs as a head coach and then basically screwed everything up in Philly because he had control of the organization in terms of personnel and then went to San Francisco and flamed out there in a one-and-done season. Do you really think Chip Kelly wants to come work under Matt Rule when he could just live in Westwood and coach at UCLA? Apparently not, so Chip Kelly will not be coming here. So there's the update there in terms of the OC candidates and – now we move forward to Kirk Cousins and whether he'll be a Carolina Panther and if that makes any sense. Chad Graff of The Athletic wrote an article on Tuesday just talking about how the Carolina Panthers would seem to be one of the most likely suitors for Kirk Cousins. The only thing that could be holding them back, apart from Kirk Cousins probably not being a franchise quarterback, is the $35 million in cap space the Carolina Panthers would have to take on to bring in Kirk Cousins. By my count, they only have about $28 million of cap space right now. And unfortunately, they're wasting $18.9 million on Sam Darnold. Could there be a way they could switch those and flip and flip things around? I don't know. That's why I'm going to bring on Matthew Collar here after this quick pause to talk about Kirk Cousins. Also, to talk about Clint Kubiak and whether they would make sense for your Carolina Panthers. So all that coming up here in just a moment. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours are about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but sometimes it just gets so boring, you're wondering where is the chocolate? Well, you're in luck. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Compare Built Bars to other candy bars. They have 130 calories, the 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, where the normal candy bar has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's a no-doubter that Built Bar is by far the healthier choice and maybe even the tastier choice out there. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You can get coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact... 
Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCK15 and get a 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, as promised, now here on Locked On Panthers, my buddy, Matthew Collar. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Collar. That's C-O-L-L-E-R to spell his last name, Collar. He's a reporter covering the Vikings for Purple Insiders. Also, check out his own podcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, Purple Insider. Does a fantastic job covering the Minnesota Vikings. And there's plenty of things I want to ask him about as it pertains to the Vikings and some guys who might become Carolina Panthers very shortly. Matthew, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. You know, when you are not um, covering playoff games, then everything that's out there, every rumor, every coach interview, every everything is what we have to latch on to to discuss. And so, uh, you know, I, I guess I was hoping for better games over the weekend. But, man, I feel like uh, in a lot of ways we've been blessed for content. I mean, we've got a coach firing up here. Uh, you got down there. Everybody wants to fire the coach. So, yep. you know, it, it remains exciting into the offseason for us, the early offseason. That's the nice thing about the NFL. It's become such a 365. Now, this year, 366, 24-7 type media cycle where there's constantly news. And the only time there's really a down period is uh, six or so weeks in between mandatory mini camp and the start of uh, training camp. And if there is any news, it's typically bad news around that time of the year. But we'll take any sort of news as long as it's not, you know, too bad. But as it pertains to Carolina Panthers and why I brought you on today, there's going to be conversations throughout the offseason with the Carolina Panthers trying to find any quarterback. And Chad Graff, one of your uh, contemporaries, your colleagues there, who writes for the athletic covers of Minnesota Vikings, listed the Carolina Panthers as a potential suitor for Kirk Cousins. Now, Carolina only has about $28 million in cap space, and they also have 18.9 of that of cap space already dedicated to Sam Darnold in that failed experiment. What is the cap situation with Kirk Cousins? And could you realistically see Carolina having a chance to bring him on and Minnesota maybe wanting to take on a Sam Darnold type contract in exchange? Yeah, I think, I mean, realistically, Carolina would be on my list as a team that is desperate to show big improvement next year, because if they don't, then you are talking about um, you being the one talking about a coach firing next year instead of me, uh, yeah. because that's how the NFL works, right? It's like there, there's only with the amount of drama, the amount of attention uh, that goes on, and especially now with Matt Rule firing Joe Brady, I think that adds an extra target on his back. There's a lot of pressure there to get back into the playoffs and look like you're going in the right direction. And 
when you are in a position with a quarterback that absolutely has proven he cannot win in the NFL in Sam Darnold. I know that there's always going to be people who say, well, what if you just this, that, or the other? I think that it, you've proven enough test cases now that Sam Darnold is more of a backup quarterback, and this is probably it for him. He goes kind of under the category of uh, Blaine Gabber, where it just never worked, but they gave him opportunities. So what are the other options for Carolina? You could draft one, but you know, that is going to take a couple of years. Usually even Joe Burrow's team was horrible his first year. And that is so often the case. Look at Justin Fields. I, I don't think you're quite the Patriots. So maybe you can't drop in a Mac Jones in this draft probably doesn't have a quarterback that's ready to go. So if you need to win right now, that's kind of off the table for a team like Carolina. So then you start looking, well, what else could be out there? Does Vegas think about trading Derek Carr? Is Jimmy Garoppolo traded if they lose the next game? Is it, you know, the, the options don't get super exciting. So you could talk yourself into Kirk Cousins and you could say, well, look, you know, in Minnesota, they had this defensive coach who wanted to run the ball all the time and we can do better for Kirk and that kind of thing. The problem is that if you trade for Kirk Cousins, and I know you asked me about the cap, so I'll get to that. But if you trade yeah. for, if you trade for Kirk Cousins, you are, pretty much signing up for everyone to be fired and your roster to be in ruins when his contract <laughs> is up. I mean, that is just the reality. It happened in Washington. It happened in Minnesota. And um, look at the success the Vikings had before Cousins. Look at what their roster looked like when he got here. And look at what they look like right now. Um, and that same thing happened in Washington. The cap implications, if the Vikings trade Cousins – uh, they take 10 million of his dead cap, and then it would be 35 million for the team that takes him. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on whether you could just swap that with Sam Darnold and have the Vikings take on Darnold and then, I don't know, do a thing where they trade him away with a third round pick, the old Brock Osweiler, or they could just keep him and draft a quarterback and have him locked in as their backup and plan to just let him go after uh, the one year. So that's, that's very possible um, that they could do something like that. I, if I'm Carolina, I mean, it's just, it shouldn't be necessarily a top option that I'm considering, but teams get desperate. The Vikings, when they signed cousins were desperate. And so I, I think it does fall into the category of being realistic. And with the cap, you'd have to move some things around as you always have to do around Kirk cousins or sign him to a contract extension, which I think you could see, you could see them trading for cousins signing him to a contract extension to lower his initial hit. And then as the hits get bigger, the roster gets worse and your coaches get fired. Yeah, and that's a great point you bring there. Uh, Scott Fitter, the general manager here in Carolina, talked about how they have to be creative around Sam Darnold's cap hit as they know that he's not the answer for them. And they've also said that they're not going to force a quarterback signing this offseason, even though if Matt Rule wants to survive 2022 – he's going to have to bring in a quarterback that's capable of getting this team and this roster, which I think, depending on how things play out free agency, should be good enough to be a playoff team next season. They're the only team since the NFL playoffs expanded last season that has not made the playoffs and it did not fire their coach. And Matt Rule survived based off of, I guess, David Tepper, the owner's belief that the process is working, even though David Tepper is yet to speak to the fan base and the media and let everyone know why Matt Rule is returning for a third season. But I told my listeners, when you look at it, the situation here in Carolina – Darnold will be on the roster, it looks like, unless they're able to offload him. But I don't see David Tepper, the owner, having the patience to wait three years for a rookie quarterback in this draft class 
to work out. If he was willing to do that, he would have done that this last offseason when Mac Jones and Justin Fields were available. Instead, they decided that they'd rather go with a quarterback who had a little bit of experience but was still young and Sam Darnold and that reclamation project, as again, did not work here in Carolina, which leads me to believe that most likely they're probably going to be in the hunt for Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins because I don't see them having the capital to get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or even a Deshaun Watson if those guys do come available here this upcoming offseason. Now, just your thoughts over on Kirk, because he was supposed to go to Minnesota to put this team over the top after they had a Minneapolis miracle and went to the NFC title game with Case Keenum there. He was supposed to be the guy. What happened? Why has Kirk Cousins not reached those heights in Minnesota? Yeah, I think that Kirk Cousins was in Minnesota the same that he was in Washington. I mean, people just assume because it's Washington that they were such a disaster that, well, of course, you know, you're not going to win there. But when you go back and look at what they had on their roster, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, a good offensive line. Sean McVay was calling the plays for Kirk Cousins. And what happened? They barely made the playoffs one year, lost in the first round. And then the next year, they missed the playoffs on the final day because Cousins had a no-show performance late in the season, which is a, a staple of his game. And then the following season, the roster dipped a bit, and they went 7-9, and nine, missed the playoffs, and then put Jay Gruden in the hot seat, in which he was ultimately fired. And you could follow the same exact track in Minnesota, where he shows up, signed to this huge contract, coming off a, a season – for this team that was 13 and three in a trip to the NFC championship game and then went eight, seven and one. And this is where when people talk about QB wins, you know, I, I think that I understand what they're talking about that you don't want to blame all of a win or a loss on the quarterback or a season's worth. There was a season where Brett Favre went four and 12. So you can't judge, you know, Brett Favre on a four and 12 season. It happened every once in a while. Russell Wilson's a good example this year. It happens that there are down years and it's not all the quarterback's fault. However, when you have seven seasons of the same type of results, you start to say, all right, why is this? Um, and I think what we saw is there are just limitations with Kirk Cousins' game and there are limitations to him as a franchise player and a leader that ultimately result in a lot of people being very upset and frustrated by the end and his skill not being enough. And I mean, physical talent. When you watch Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, what you see is arm talent. You see playmaking, you see guts, you see uh, big moments, big performances. And these things have just not been what Kirk Cousins is. Um, you know, I think their car is probably the most comparable and maybe cars a little bit better than cousins, but if you look at this year where they're in the heat of the playoff race and I think even had better than 50% chance and then they go down the stretch and it's one big game after the next that it's just not good enough from Kirk Cousins and this has happened almost every single year. Um, they've had you know, offensive coordinators get fired along the way. The coach and GM end up getting fired because his talent does not match up with the price tag. Um, if you were able to build like the maybe the Rams have, or they did with Jared Goff, this just super beast of a roster. And it's Philadelphia from a few years ago when they won with Nick Foles, where every position is pretty much great across the field. It's possible that Kirk Cousins could take you somewhere past the first round of the playoffs. But I think what we saw is even when he was dropped in a really good rosters, there is just no ability to overcome things because he isn't a player who could just put the team on his back and go win, which is what you need ultimately to be in the playoffs year in year out and win. And, and, and what ends up happening is the fan base fights about him. Cause he's always got good statistics. 
thinks. Mm -hmm. And there's always the, the front office thinks and the coaching staff thinks, oh, all we need to do is this and all we need to do is that. But you know, when you have such limitations that you always have to run a play action offense for him to succeed, you always have to have great elite receivers. No one can be hurt. When Adam Thielen was hurt, his production dropped way off at the end of the season. I mean, you have to have a really good offensive line. They have never had that here. And so every time they played a good defense, it just melted the Vikings offense. I mean, these are, these are things that coaches and GMs think like, oh, oh, I'm the smart one. I can fix this. I'll just draft the next great guard who will protect Cousins. Well, we saw a really good franchise of good coaches and decision makers in Minnesota suddenly look foolish by the end of the time that they were here because their quarterback just never could win the games that mattered the most against good teams. And I believe, if I got the statistic correct, uh, of the coaches of the last, I think it was like five, seven years, the, it was Jay Gruden and Mike Zimmer were at the bottom for their performances against winning teams and Ooh. who was quarterbacking those games, right? And, exactly. And so, look, if you want a quarterback who will take you from five or six wins with Sam Darnold to eight or nine wins, that's going to make everyone look good in the first year. And they'll say, oh, well, we made all this progress. Now all we need is blank, blank, blank. But what'll happen is the next year it'll be nine and eight or eight, and nine again. And then the next year after that, the contract will catch up with you and players will leave because they're frustrated and so forth. And then you go seven and 10 and everyone gets fired. Like you can already see the path if a team trades for Kirk Cousins without even knowing what's going to happen because it's just happened two times before. And there's no, like with Matt Stafford, there was always this, the guy is a freak arm talent, right? He is a beast. He's got his shortcomings, but he is a beast off like offensive passing talent. That is not the case with Kirk Cousins. Like you have to draw it up and it's got to work. And when it doesn't, when it isn't Stefanski, when it isn't McVay, when it's somebody even a little less talented than Gary Kubiak, like we saw with Clint or like we saw with John Filippo, you end up missing the playoffs and there is a ton of disappointment and a ton of money spent on a quarterback who didn't get you any farther than you would have gotten with whatever Joe average draft pick. Yeah. My thoughts of Kirk Cousins have always been that he can be good enough as long as the roster infrastructure is to the point where there's enough around him, but I don't think he's ever going to be good enough to the point where you're going to win a Super Bowl with him. Like everything would have to go perfectly for something like that to happen. And Carolina is looking for a quarterback who can elevate them to that Super Bowl potential. I just don't think there's going to be anyone available for them likely that could be that, which is why Kirk Cousins, at least for a season, maybe two in the interim, while Matt Rule tries to save his job, could be the right answer until they draft a quarterback, kind of looking at the situation a couple years ago with Kansas City where they took Alex Smith, and then they had him as a playoff team and a guy who's good enough for that team but never great enough to get them to a Super Bowl, draft Patrick Mahomes, and did things work out. But again, there's not very many Patrick Mahomes out there, not very many Tom Brady's, not very many, even Joe Burrow, who looked fantastic and has done wonders for the Bengals and turned that organization around in two seasons. More of Matthew Collar here in just a moment. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as the NFL divisional round kicks off this weekend. Cannot wait for the Saturday matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. There's a chance that your boy might make an appearance back in Nashville to watch his Tennessee Titans play. Kidding, not my Titans, but still love to see what Mike Vrabel's done down there in Nashville. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From the NFL 
to college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest, and it is the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Now, let me talk to you about this, though, because Carolina Panthers are currently looking for four new staffers under Matt Rule, and one of those is an offensive coordinator after the firing of Joe Brady with about six weeks left in the season and back in the 2021 season that just concluded for Carolina. Clint Kubiak is one of those candidates for the Carolina Panthers he interviewed last week. I'm just curious, and this kind of goes in hand with Kirk Cousins' thing, is if Cousins comes here, maybe Kubiak might be the OC. What did you see? from Clint Kubiak and his offense over this past season as he took over as the OC there in Minnesota? It's a good question because asking what Clint Kubiak is as an offensive mind versus what he's allowed to be with his coach and quarterback is tough to pick apart. Um, From day one, Mike Zimmer was telling Clint Kubiak where he was supposed to call plays from. Clint Kubiak wanted to call plays from the sideline. Mike Zimmer said, nope, you're getting upstairs in that booth. And right from that moment, you're like, oh, okay, it's Mike Zimmer's offense then, Uh, right? And uh, it was kind of hostile takeover of the offense that Zimmer was just going to do it how he wanted it to do. And then at the end of the year, you know, the Vikings are down 20 points and Mike Zimmer is yelling about Clint Kubiak not running the ball enough. Like, uh, okay. I mean, I like, I just, there were times where you really felt like Zimmer was calling all the shots and Clint Kubiak had really no freedom. Uh, There were times where he was demanding, Zimmer was demanding publicly that Kubiak and Cousins push the ball down the field more often and then demanding that they not turn the ball over or take sacks, which like one or the other is probably going to happen. Uh, I think it was a very difficult, circumstance to work under I think that one of the reasons Clint Kubiak was the offensive coordinator is because nobody wanted to do that job after the way that Zimmer has treated people in the past Um, there were also rumors that Gary Kubiak was you know drawing up the plays from his ranch in Texas and sending them in I mean there's you know there's a it was a mess man I mean this this franchise is a total disaster uh, in the in the final weeks of Zimmer and Spielman, and that was out there as well. So it's really hard to judge Clint Kubiak. I mean, I think early on in the season we saw some good ideas from Kubiak, and we wondered like why didn't these come back? I also think that midway through games he would get pretty anxious when it came to the play calling. Now that could be because his head coach is breathing over his shoulder, wanting him to run the ball more often, or it could be because he just didn't have any experience and wasn't ready for this job and got thrown into a very toxic and difficult situation. And then the other thing is Kirk cousins will not do anything that you don't lay out there for him. I mean, if you're, if you're Matt LaFleur in green Bay and Nate Hackett, you're like, this is great. If we drop a play and someone's wide open, Rodgers throws it right to the guy. If we don't and the defense figures it out, Rodgers throws it right to the guy. He doesn't take a sack. He doesn't throw it away. He doesn't throw a pick. He doesn't get flummoxed. 
He just makes you right all the time. Josh Allen does it for the Bills. He just makes you right. And Kirk Cousins, if you're wrong, you're wrong. And you will be wrong. And he'll get sacked or, or whatever, you know, make the wrong throw or to be inaccurate or whatever. So I thought that their offense overall was a very frustrating one and one that was not really like in lockstep with each other, but it's very hard to separate whose fault that was. And the other thing too, is that Mike Zimmer is not fond of coaches saying too much in their press conferences. So with Clint Kubiak, he was I mean, he just looked pretty terrified up there at the podium. And it was hard to really get a feeling like how, how bright is this guy? What are some of this guy's ideas and things like that? I mean, we tried like crazy every week. I mean, we'd be firing questions left and right. But if your head coach is going to get angry about anything you say publicly, then, I mean, even Mike Zimmer, this is, this is how tyrannical this was, Julian, that okay. Mike, Mike Zimmer at one point, uh, Clint Kubiak admitted, you're never going to believe this, admitted that Justin Jefferson needed to get the ball more. Imagine, right? What a shocking mm. revelation this was to the media. Novel concept. Breaking news reports were sent out on CNN after he said that Justin Jefferson needs the ball. And Zimmer said after the next game that Clint Kubiak should not have told us that. Like, what? I mean, like, okay. well, you, right. That's what I'm saying is this was a bleep show, man. It, so how good is Clint Kubiak? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might be good. Might be, might be a lot better than the situation because man, the situation was tough this year. Yeah. It's always hard to understand how good some of these guys who are former sons of coaches who never played at this level can be. It's the nepotism of the NFL. It's running rampant throughout the league. Like, I don't know how smart of a guy Clint Kubiak is, but I imagine if his dad wasn't Gary Kubiak, he probably wouldn't be the OC of the Minnesota Vikings at the age of 34 years old. I'm just going to have a hunch there. And I feel the same way about a guy like Scott Turner, who took over as the interim OC a couple years ago here in Carolina. He's now the OC in Washington under Ron Rivera. He's North Turner's son. There's other situations, obviously, like Kyle Shanahan, who's made a good name for himself and actually seems to be that kind of offensive young guru that everyone in the league is looking for after the Sean McVay explosion there with the Rams it's worked out but has not necessarily been duplicated in all these other places that have tried to do it it's worked out so far with Cincinnati and Zach Taylor at least this season after only winning six games his first two years so I am very curious you know what Clint Kubiak might look like outside of Mike Zimmer and now philosophically Mike Zimmer was always a man who wanted to have his offense complement his defense by running the football when you have Dalvin Cook it makes a lot of sense Matt Rule has talked about how he wants to have a team that can run the football would that kind of work, you think, in terms of Kubiak having gone, been with a coach who wants to run the football, then going to another coach that wants to run the football? Or would that be something that you think you'd want to avoid just from whatever limited interactions that you have had with Clint Kubiak? Yeah, I think Clint Kubiak might curl up in a ball and cry in the corner if he heard one more time, <laughs> run the ball, run the ball. I mean, it just, it was very frustrating. I mean, they were one of the worst teams in the league at handling when you should run the ball. And I mean, when it comes to like you and I know just by the general efficiency, the numbers second down and 10 is not a good time to be running the ball because you get stopped for three or four yards. Now it's third and long. And that is the hardest situation for quarterbacks to be in. If your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, well, this is probably fine. If it's Kirk Cousins, if it's Sam Darnold, somebody like that, putting them in third and long is just not good. But when you have the coach telling you, got to run, got to run, got to run, 
like, well, it, it can't always be on first down. So sometimes it's going to have to be on second down. And it was frustrating to watch. I mean, it felt like play calling from 2001 where it was just pound Delvin cook, pound Delvin cook. And not only that, they had one of the worst rushing games in the NFL by expected points added. They were, I think, 29th, and they have Delvin Cook. I mean, think about how bad that running efficiency is, and I think it was more of the choice when they were running that was killing their EPA. I mean, if, you're, if your numbers are saying that the rest of the league on second down and 10 is throwing passes and they're gaining more yards and first downs and scoring on big plays, and here you are gaining four or five yards of carry every time, you're just falling behind. And again, is this Clint Kubiak's idea or is this Mike Zimmer's idea? Also, you know, Rick Dennison was their run game coordinator who, um, you know, I'm sure there are other criticisms of Rick Dennison, including his choice not to get vaccinated and just be remote on the coaching staff all year. But I mean, he was a good coach of the running game. He was very specific, very detailed, very good at working with the offensive line in the running game and that, and then not having him, their running game was not effective this year. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you look at some stats and you just go, nah, nope, that doesn't tell the story. I mean, their yards per carry with Delvin Cook was fine. It's like 4.6 or something, which looks pretty good. It was not good. Like the running game was not consistently effective. They had one great game against Pittsburgh that kind of jacked up all the numbers, but throughout the season, it was not consistently good. It wasn't blocked well. It didn't look like the details were good this year like they were in previous years. I mean, in my in my mind, Clint Kubiak should probably be coaching quarterbacks for a few more years before he gets another bite at the apple because there were just so many things that were wrong with this Vikings offense. And you can say, well, it was Zimmer, well, it was Kirk Cousins and so forth. But then you talk about things like this, when you run the ball, how you run the ball, it just wasn't very good. And I don't know that that's what Matt Rule is looking for. Yeah, and last one here for you on Clint Kubiak. You talk about him being a quarterback coach moving forward, at least that's where you think his role should be in the NFL. That's what he did the two seasons prior when his dad, Gary Kubiak, was the OC there in Minnesota. How did you think he did in terms of just working with Kirk Cousins back in that role? Because you'll hear in Carolina as they're looking at potentially bringing Kirk Cousins there. That's at least a rumor out there. Maybe that would be a possibility. And also maybe if they're trying to fix Sam Darnold and actually coach him, if he's even coachable to the point where he can actually be an NFL quarterback that doesn't throw the ball away twice a game. Maybe could Clint Kubiak be good in that role as an OC while also working hand in hand with the quarterbacks? Yeah, I think of the number of people who have worked with Kirk Cousins and who have been really good at their jobs. And I think Clint Kubiak probably was a very good quarterback coach. Kevin Stefanski was a tremendous quarterback coach. He worked with Case Keenum the year the Vikings went 13 and three. And if you look at the Vikings record of quarterback play, it's kind of bizarre because they don't have one of the top quarterbacks and yet they have gotten overall better quarterback play than you'd expect from a team that had Bridgewater, Keenum, Sam Bradford, Kirk Cousins. There's nobody really great in that list. Uh, and nobody's going to the Hall of Fame there. And yet their overall production from their quarterbacks has been pretty good. I think that role might be fine for Clint Kubiak. It's really hard to say. I mean, how how does this position coach work with this quarterback? We were told that John DeFilippo was the reason Nick Foles succeeded. And then DeFilippo has done absolutely nothing since except get fired by the Vikings and the Jaguars. So yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it is definitely Frank Reich. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, who do we give credit for these things or who do we criticize for these things is pretty difficult to guess. I, I guess what I would say is that, you know, Cousins is just, there's no solving that Rubik's cube. 
He's going to have good stats, but a lot of times it's because he's getting his team down in games. Like the year that John Kitna threw for 4,000 yards and his team won like three games. Like this is, this is kind of how the sport works sometimes. It's like a basketball player who scores 20 a game on a team that wins 15 games and you all go, well, he must be good. Oh, not necessarily. I mean, he's, someone's got to score. Um, and this is kind of how it's felt with the Vikings where it's like, yeah, look at the final game of the season. His quarterback rating against the Bears in the final game of the season is something like 146. Who cares? But that's the second straight year in a row where it's been a meaningless game and he's jacking up the quarterback rating. It's like classic stuff. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know how good Clint Kubiak is with, with working with quarterbacks exactly. Uh, all I know is that if you trade for Kirk Cousins, you sort of resign yourself to your fate of what you're going to be. And what you're going to be is a middling team that starts the minute you bring him in the building, the deterioration of your roster, not only because of the price tag that he costs, but also because of the frustration of everybody else around. And if you look at who was here when Kirk got here and who's here now, I mean, it, everybody's gone, man. And, you know, Adam Thielen, there were rumors that he wanted out halfway through this season because he was so frustrated. Stefan Diggs plays for the bills. Now it wasn't all about Kirk, but it wasn't not about Kirk. You know what I mean? And, uh, that's just that's just what happens with, with him. I mean, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, they both left in Washington. Like this is a pattern that has gone on for so long that you've got a pretty couple of pretty good receivers there. Like count on them playing for other people within three years. If you <laughs> trade for cousins, I'm just, it's like, if it happens once, you go, oh, I don't know. But if it happens twice, I mean, look, look at Justin Jefferson's face after week 18, after coming short <laughs> of the record, after coming short of the record and just like watch, watch back Justin Jefferson on tape. How many times he throws his arms up in frustration, how many times he's open that he didn't get the ball. He could have had numbers like Cooper cup this year. The quarterback didn't get him the ball so many occasions. And this has been just go to Google. I'm telling you, Google Washington, <laughs> Google Washington receivers, Kirk Cousins. Watch what pops up. You'll see that there's an article about, well, the Washington receivers were frustrated with Cousins because he couldn't get them the ball. Like this is, it's a pattern of behavior, but it's a very, very expensive guy with these types of patterns. And the other thing is, I don't think Cousins is the type of guy like Joe Burrow or Josh Allen that says, this city is mine. I own this city. Uh, we are going to win. And that is it at all costs. I don't care about anything else. That is not Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has called himself the CEO quarterback. Like he's, he's earning what he's going to earn and he's going to throw where they tell him to throw it. And if it's not there and they don't win, then he's going to shrug his shoulders. I mean, they lost, they lost to a Detroit Lions team that was 0-10. And the first thing they show on TV after the game, first thing, game is over, game-winning play. Let's flash to Kirk Cousins. He must be distraught, right? Nope, smiling and high-fiving uh, Detroit Lions players. Like – is Tom Brady doing that? No, of course not. I mean, I know it feels like there's, there's always this thing with cousins where people look up his pro football reference page and they go, what is this guy? A lunatic the way he's talking. <laughs> but, but then you go back and you look at, you watch the, how the games actually played out the games that they actually won and how many of them are against Detroit. And you look at what the coaches said about him and you look at, and this isn't one coach he's butted heads with. This is two head coaches that he's butted heads with. It's two head coaches that he essentially got fired. Like, it's, it's very unlikely to me that you've got all the answers there, right, that are different than they had here. So I guess I, I know that you said, like, hey, let's talk for 
10, 15 minutes. But uh, this, this is what I'm saying is like, this is when you get excited about these rumors and stuff, like this is the reality of what it's been like to have Kirk Cousins. No, and look, Matthew, you're a truth teller, and that's why I want you on the show because I also like to tell the truth and just let people know how I feel, and I'm not just going to sit here and be like, yeah, Kirk Cousins, that's going to be the perfect answer here in Carolina, even though I think, like, yeah, if he comes here next year and they have enough space to bring back good enough players, they can be a playoff team at long term. That's not going to be a guy who's going to lead this team down trade and try on in uptown Charlotte hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So I appreciate – everything that you told us as far as it goes with Kirk Cousins and Clint Kubiak, who probably needs a little bit more time to marinate before ever getting another opportunity as an OC in the NFL, if he ever should get another opportunity as an OC in the National Football League. Again, folks, you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Collar. That's C-O-L-L-E-R, no A in Collar, O instead. He is a reporter for the Vikings with Purple Insider, his own deal. He also hosts a podcast over on the Blue Wire Podcast Network called Purple Insider. So anytime you want to hear any Vikings takes and obviously some therapy, because it sounded therapeutic for you, Matthew, go check out Matthew Collar there. who does a fantastic job covering the Vikings and did a fantastic job here today on Locked on Panthers. Matthew, thank you for your time as always, buddy. Sure thing. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Great stuff there from my buddy Matthew Collar, who covers the Minnesota Vikings for Purple Insider, his stub, his Substack. So go out there and check that out. Subscribe to that. He does a fantastic job. Go support the people who come on the show and who give you this kind of information. He also has his own podcast with the Blue Wired Podcast Network called Purple Insider. So if you want to know more about the Minnesota Vikings, what went wrong in Minnesota, and why Kirk Cousins may not be the right decision here in Carolina, and same thing with Clint Kubiak as it pertains to the OC candidacy, his OC candidacy, then go check out everything that Matthew Collar does there. So follow him on Twitter again, at Matthew Collar. That's an O, not an A in his last name, Collar. That's going to wrap things up here on this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure, again, to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out also on Spotify and all the other major podcasting platforms out there. Follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday – I'm going to be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council. But first, make sure to follow me at Julian Council. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Joe Person, who apparently is a sports writer of the year in the state of North Carolina, is going to come on and talk to me about what went wrong this past season in Carolina, why Matt Rule's returning, and what he knows about this OC search. So tune in Thursday for that here on Locked on Panthers. Until then, stay safe, stay warm. Watch out for black ice, and I will talk to y'all then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.